maybe not both. Okay. All right. Well, I'm here with Marissa. Um, she's going to introduce herself um, and we're going to get started. Let's go. Hi, Brandon. My name is Marissa Freeman. I am Marissa Freeman UK on Instagram and I am a sponsored athlete, fitness model, blogger and a mum. <laughs> oh my gosh, so many things. So, so many things. Let, let's start at the beginning of your journey. So how did you get started in fitness? Um, so um, I've always been um, an active person. I used to do a lot of uh, long distance running and track and I danced. Um, so that was when I was at school. Um, but when I had my son, I experienced a lot of complications and really used fitness and bodybuilding and weight training as a way to rehabilitate. So I, I think I first stepped foot in a bodybuilding gym. Um, about three months after my son was born and it was um, after realizing that I couldn't run anymore my bladder was just kaput and so um, that's really when I started but I think I seriously and enthusiastically um, began uh, probably mm, about a year later yeah I think I kind of tried it out uh, wasn't sure you know still dealing with having such a young family and I think it took I think it was when my son was about a year which was two years ago that I became very consistent and holistic in the way that I train and approach nutrition mm -hmm. what what kind of drove you towards that was it a person was it someone telling you something how, how did you get there um I think it was a mixture so um I just became my tailbone when I was um, pregnant and I had very very serious health complications so the initial um, kind of need and drive towards wanting to look and feel better was just the fact that I was I guess uh, trying to accept the changes to my body trying to heal trying to mend um, actually I was I was still doing some studying when my son was very young so I, I did a maths course um, and I, I wasn't that consistent and just a lot of sleepless nights. I was still breastfeeding for a long time. So it was difficult to be that committed. I think when my son was a year, um, I'd experienced the relationship breakdown with his father, which was obviously very emotionally traumatic. And I just needed something. I needed something for my self-esteem. I needed a place to go. Your social life really changes after motherhood and the way you socialise feels and looks different it's lots of coffee shops with other mums who are feeding their babies and you can feel very lonely and isolated so I needed a place to go that wasn't about being a mum that wasn't about um, anything else it was just about me which sounds incredibly selfish but it was actually the best therapy ever mm -hmm. so so that's really what it was but but you know I'd, I'd been training I was still quite um, I guess chubby and uh, uh, there was a young guy who worked at the gym called Sam who could see what I was trying to do I think I was doing all the wrong things I had really poor form I was probably very injury prone because I didn't know what I was doing and he took me under his wing and he said I know what you're trying to achieve um and and, and he he said look let me take some pictures of you and I was like what and he and he said let me do it so you actually know what you look like because I think we're really um good at looking in a mirror and sucking in our tummy and you know seeing ourselves in the best way possible and it's I think when you see a photograph of yourself that you go, ah, this is where I'm at. So, so he showed me, um, I think I was wearing a bikini, and I was mortified. <laughs> and that's really when I decided that I wanted to really be ambitious for my physique and, um, yeah, and kind of go for it. And then that's, that's when everything changed. Mm -hmm. Being a mom, I mean, there's so many moms out there that, 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 that say they don't have time or, like, things like that. 
what is your response to that? I mean, um, you were kind of there where, you know, it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of work. So um, how did you yes. handle all that? Okay. Um, I think it's, um, it's really tricky. I think that one of the things I would say to everybody is that the most important thing about how you look and feel and your size is nutrition and everybody has time and actually um, money to eat um, in a healthy way and in a way that does not um, contribute towards, you know, obesity and, and, and health problems and actually can heal any health issues. So the first thing I would say that if people's goals are about um, feeling slim, being active um, and being healthy, really you, you don't need a gym membership for that. However, to take things to the next level, um, then yes, there, it's about time management. I know a lot of mums who are able to um, incorporate training into their lives. It has to be something that you really, really enjoy. So I would say don't bother joining a gym if you dread going. I actually look forward every morning to going to the gym. It's the highlight of my day. When I'm at the gym and I have to go home, I feel frustrated. I could be there for two hours and I still want to push and do more. I've always been that way. So clearly I found a sport that works for me I think that if it's dance if it's running if it's a home workout video if it's just walking around and pushing your pram that's fine but you have to like what you do um but you have to also prioritize it and it has to be important to you because we can easily make excuses to get out of fitness and healthy nutrition and really I, I think it's very rare that there are any valid excuses um yeah I, I think though as well that fitness looks unobtainable to people i think that fitness looks scary i think it looks like great big gyms with teenage women who are perfect and you know steroid using men who are perfect and i think that that whole world can seem really off-putting to, to my, especially a new mother who's perhaps never been there and um it can seem really intimidating so i think also it's about being mentally strong not caring about what other people think i mean i I, yeah, I was three months postpartum. I was still breastfeeding. I used to have to go at five in the morning. So, I mean, those are some of the sacrifices. Um, I used to have to breastfeed my baby, put him back down to sleep. Um, at the time, you know, his dad was still at home and then creep out and it was still dark. And I'd walk down the road and get into my gym, which would open at around five. And I dread to think what I looked like. I think I would still keep my pajamas on underneath and I'd push weights. And there were a couple of times, I'll be completely honest, that I had, you know, leaky breasts and it was embarrassing but I just really did it and um, so I think it's also about having passion and commitment you know I think that as well a lot of mums uh, it's about the bigger picture and it's about um, wanting to be fit and healthy when your child grows up and wanting to be there to see your grandchildren and understanding that good nutrition and physical activity or contribute to that so I think that to have a really positive experience of motherhood you really have to love yourself as well and take care of yourself in order to take care of your children mm -hmm. and is that has the what is like your nutritional philosophy <laughs> it's funny because um I was trying to write it on my bio for Instagram and I think it changed so many times because there seems to be no label um that fits it and uh yeah it's a struggle and I wish there was um I think I've I uh think that I've uh tried to label it in in many ways I guess that macros have been an important foundation to the way I use food 
the way I prepare food. Um, and I, I don't like to use the term clean eating because I don't really like to say that any food is off limits, but I guess about 80% of my diet. Um, mm -hmm. So you do know. like an 80-20 rule? Like what, what, what is that? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I don't literally measure 80-20. Um, so, so I use um, my fitness powers way of, of tracking my macros most of the time. And I set a kind of calculation that works for me. And I guess that's based on um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of nutritionists and personal trainers helping me gauge, you know, where my protein levels should be at. However, that's just a rough guideline. It's a rough way of tracking my calories, and I don't use that as, as, a, as a whole rule. You know, I'm a busy person. I'm a real person. I'm not, like, a professional model. It's okay for me to eat some, you know, naughty foods and, and have cheap meals. So if, for example, I take my son to a party on the weekend, to a children's party, and there's lots of party food, I'm sensible. I eat a lunch first so that I'm not tempted. But I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to take a bite of a slice of cake for example um generally there are foods that i, I do avoid um such as, as gluten wheat and and that's for for different reasons that's that's just because personally i do have some intolerances to foods that happen to be you know considered not clean um if i eat very very greasy foods if i go on a holiday and it's an all-inclusive and i've been at the buffet you know then i i have i get spots so i realize that certain foods don't work for me so you know the kind of typical rules that you probably everybody knows about healthy fats in things like avocados and olive oil lots of healthy fats lots of kind of clean carbs in inverted commas so I generally um, get my carbs from bananas and sweet potatoes I generally avoid grains partly I'm, I'm not entirely sure um, that we've we've adapted very well to them well enough and also because of the impact that it has on the environment. And it's the same with my protein sources. I'm very, very careful. So I try to eat in an ethical way. Um, I don't overdo it with meat. I'm not a vegan, but I try to keep my animal protein as low as possible. I mean, it's a lot. I think I'm always trying to juggle what's ethical, what's holistic, what works well for sports nutrition. Because, you know, eating healthily is very different to sports nutrition where you have to keep your protein and carbs up for performance when you're pushing heavy weights and you're trying to get your muscles to grow, which is essentially what this sport is about. Then, um, you know, you have to eat in a way that, that works with that. So so there's, there's a lot of, I, I suppose it's somewhere between macros, if it fits in your macros, and a bit of paleo, a little bit of plant-based, to be honest, but sometimes I eat some fish, whole foods, <laughs> clean foods, a bit of everything. I'm just a real hybrid, yeah. Mm -hmm. but, I mean, I do measure, I do measure. I'm not going to pretend I don't. Um, I kind of don't like that dishonesty that some people kind of act like they just eat really intuitively all the time. I think some people that can work for for me it just doesn't if i eat intuitively then my intuition would tell me that it's completely acceptable to eat a lot of chocolate every single day <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah I, <laughs> you know? I, I find nutrition fascinating <laughs> in that way that there's not one clear-cut way to do it or you know there's not one best method um there's yeah. a, a variety of methods and i think i don't know uh, i think implementing all of them like that is kind of how it should be done um i don't think there's one yeah. 
Um, I don't think one's better than the other. I, and honestly, I don't, I'm not sure what works and what doesn't work unless for your specific body, it, it's different. I mean, um, I've done the vegan thing. It does not go well for me. Uh, my body did not respond very <laughs> well. So, you know, it, it just depends on you as a person. And, um, it's really interesting how that, that affects you and how you kind of like, I don't know. It's just very strange that our bodies all have different reactions. Yeah, and I think um, you know, I I'm really inspired by a lot of um, like vegan bodybuilders, and they've helped educate me um, when it comes to sustainable eating and eating a way that's sustainable for the planet. I'm not quite there yet um, because I think that that then relies on a lot of grain eating. And again, when we talk about sustainability, um, it tends not to be sustainable either to eat in a way that has um, that places a lot of um, demand on the way we farm for grain so it's it's such a tricky one um i think that if you eat everything in moderation and keep you know keep um certain types of foods low i mean i even eat some soy which i know people probably gasp in the horror that i would eat soy but now and again i think a little bit of tofu won't hurt particularly if it's organic the other thing as well to remember is you know most families and most mothers are eating on a budget and uh, one of the things I'm about to start implementing is recipes that are budget friendly for the whole family. Uh, I haven't quite worked that out, but I've been doing a lot of research on a weekly average shop in the UK. And actually for an entire family, it's only £60. So when you really break that up on a day to day basis and look at the cost of meals, that's perhaps um, I don't know. I see a lot of amazing recipes. But when you total that all up, you know, they're organic, they're fresh, they're raw. They're either vegan or they're clean or they're this or they're that. And they're all singing or dancing, but they're also really bloody expensive. Sorry, am I allowed to say, sorry, I think it's bloody banned on your podcast. You know I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, no, so no. Sorry. It, it, bloody's not bad. You can say whatever. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, sorry. just, okay. Bloody. So, so, so yeah, that, that's a big thing as well, is actually looking at what's achievable and what doesn't take a very long time to prepare. So I'm all about being realistic. And I mean, my mother, bless her, she, she's, she's brilliant. She's in her, her very early 50s or maybe she's 50 or something. And she her weight is fantastic. But her thing is just all about portion control. She doesn't care about macros. She doesn't care particularly about eating raw spinach and greens. But she, she keeps slim and active by eating what she loves. I mean, I'm, I'm mortified. <laughs> but she just keeps her portions really small and that works for her. So I think that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's everyone does it differently, and there's no one best way of doing it. And everyone's trying to uh, figure it out. And um, I think you can always change your diet or change the way you eat or your lifestyle, um, whatever you may call it. Because you know, there's no there's no labels. We try to make yeah. labels for everything, so it's kind of hard to uh, rationalize that. Oh. I think um, I think the only advice I'd, I'd give people is generally, you know, try to keep your food looking the way it, it comes out naturally. Try to eat food that doesn't look that isn't processed, that doesn't look processed, and you're definitely heading on the right track. I mean, that's probably a very generalised and unscientific way to, um, you know, but I think anything that grows out of the ground that's green or, or brightly coloured that's natural um, and wholesome is probably should be. That underpin your diet and anything that's processed should probably make up a tiny proportion of uh, what you eat every every day or every week and 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 I think if you can do that you're heading on the right tracks mm-hmm. well, why are you so interested in nutrition 
why am I so interested yes. in nutrition? You personally, is it because it's something that you? I think it's because um, it sounds like a cliche, but I do believe that food is medicine. I think that food is extremely powerful. Um, I think that food is responsible for governing um, our mental health, our physical health, and the aesthetics of the body. I think that food is also uh, responsible for a lot of the problems in our environment. So actually the way we eat, um, food is also very social, you know, um, it's, it's a part of life. It's what brings a family together and it's what affects performance, which is what I'm all about. It's, it's what I, I do every day in the gym. So you really have to understand food if you want to understand health, understand happiness and understand fitness and strength. I think that's why. And, and actually, you know, in the sport that I'm in, which is, is I suppose I'm not, in a, I'm not a competitive bodybuilder, but I'm definitely a physique builder. It doesn't matter how often I go to the gym and how amazing my form is and what supplements I take. If I'm not eating enough, I just won't get bigger. And on a cut, you know, if I, if I cut my food too quickly, uh, I'll lose all my muscle in, in a horrible way. So it's really important to understand. And I, and I understood it more and more and more the further uh, into weight training I got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just mentioned supplements, right? There. This is always a good question I have. Is so. What do you? What is your opinion on supplements? Everyone gives me a different answer. <laughs> um, some people say it's a necessary thing to performance. Some people say it's just you should just you don't need supplements at all. Um, I kind of fall into that category. But um, what's your opinion? I mean, there's so many bad supplements out there. There's no. Um, it's like yeah. trying to pick out of uh, uh, just a massive variety of supplements. There are, uh, I don't want to, maybe not millions, but there must be tens and tens of thousands of supplements, maybe millions, who knows. Um, my view is that, that we're, we're all composed very differently and our body composition is, is very, very different. And one of the things that I had to understand on this journey is that actually, you know, I'm quite ectomorphic um, and I hate that. I don't build muscle very easily and the slightest bit of stress um, or catabolism or um, if I drop a meal, I very quickly lose my muscle. So for me, I'm, I'm just naturally that way and I need all the help I can in a sport like this. I also know lots of people who are just really naturally muscular and, and, and quite stocky built and perhaps they just find it really easy to be strong and build muscle and maybe wouldn't fare well in a different kind of sport, but they do really, really well in muscle building. For me, supplementation has been important. I don't think it's, it, I don't think it's a replacement for very, very good nutrition. And I think the first thing anybody should uh, ensure when they go into any sport is that their nutrition is bang on. It's got to be bang on point. And that their form and the coaching is, is excellent. So I think, you know, if you've only got X amount of money, then um, the first thing I'd be doing is making sure your food is good and making sure you can invest in somebody that, that makes sure that you're, that you're performing safely. However, if you have some pennies left over, then for, I, I, I do feel that supplementation is, is very important. I, I think you might have read my blog with the Natural Muscle Company. Um, I'm an ambassador for the Natural Muscle Company. Uh, it took me a long time to find a supplement company that I believed in for the exact reasons you've just pointed out. You know, there is a lot of... Uh, real chemical kind of scary brightly colored things out there that you think this does not look compatible with a healthy lifestyle this looks like a children's uh, sugary drink 
that, you know, should have been banned in the 90s <laughs> when they started having food rules in about how many additives, you know, they can put in. And, and I see a lot of that kind of stuff being consumed in the gym and whatnot. And, you know, I don't go around judging people, but there's a lot of, you know, scary pre-workouts out there and so-called BCAAs. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to comment on other brands, but I, I kind of know where I am with the natural muscle company and I feel quite safe. I think as well, it's what's, what supplements, because what, what does supplement mean? That covers a whole range of things. So if you take, you know, if you take protein supplementation, of, of course, it's basically a food. It almost shouldn't be called a supplement because it's simply food. They've taken out the, the protein um, from that, whether it's whey, whether it's a vegan, um, you know, or a plant-based protein, and they've put it in a powder form for you to drink. So I think one can't argue with the benefits of whether you like it or not is different, but, you know, something like protein powder acts as a food and it keeps your protein macros up, so that can't be denied. I think, you know, obviously you, you can read a lot of debates about glutamine and BCAAs, and it just depends on how geeky you want to be and how scientific, but personally... Yes, of course, I see all the difference using supplementation during, before and after my workout. Um, yeah, yeah. And of course, creatine is very, very scientifically proven to be effective in, uh, I mean, I don't want to be too boring in this, but your TPA system and your, your explosive energy system. And, and, and obviously it helps your muscles with all of that explosive energy. And, and that's just a fact, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think every single person needs to have a supplement to be, you know, to, to have progress in a sport or to have progress in looking good. I think that that's the icing on the cake. And definitely the, the most important thing is that you're eating a, a wholesome, natural diet that, that, that meets all of your micro and macronutrients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a very different answer than most people give. It's it's kind of a clear cut for most people. Yours is kind of in all over the place. I mean, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Supplements, I think, just they have different meaning. Um, yes. I mean, like, if you think supplements, you know, supplements is just like adding stuff to your diet um, that you need. You know, more protein, eat more protein, build more muscle. Um, there's all these reasons why you use them. I mean, a lot of people don't know, but like the a lot of supplements are if you took them in a sport um, that had an anti-doping agent, so you would be flagged for uh, PEDs. Yes. Um, yes, that's. Yeah. I always try to uh, tell people, oh, if you're in a sport, I mean, p- b- bodybuilding is the most dirty sport, so there's no. I mean, <laughs> it's it's simply the 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 it is what it is. Um, there's no question of whether it's dirty. Um, there's no real regulation. There's no real like you know, creatine is 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 a heck of a PED. It's not. If if I took that, that that increased performance by a, a, a good margin, not not yes. not. And yes. I think that people don't re- realize that these are, I mean, even those um, fat loss pills, th- those work. I'm not going to lie. Those work. They have speed in it, though. They're, they're a drug. Um, so be very careful with what you use. I think, though, there's a big difference between a natural fat burner. So, for example, and I, and I don't want to sound like this is a big advertisement for my company, but we sell uh, natural fat burning pills that contain things like um you know green tea and beetroot extracts and, and and natural things that are about helping to um you know to engage and mobilize your metabolism that's very very different from, from something like you know clenbuterol which i know that a lot of competitive 
athletes take, which is really an anabolic. And that's a very, very different situation when we talk about fat burners. So, so again, you know, when you look at what is supplementation, it really depends on, on what you're dealing with. And uh, you're absolutely right. I think um, there's supplements and then there's supplements, you know. But at the end of the day, I think anybody who uh, engages in a sport whether it's on a professional level or an amateur level, you get to a stage where you're putting your body through, um, really through its paces. And the um, what you're doing to your body's nervous system, to your skeletal frame, you know, to your muscles. I mean, the act of bodybuilding is, is to go into a gym and, and literally tear your muscles to shreds and then they rebuild bigger and stronger. And you, you do that between four and seven times a week. That's you know, that's, that's very taxing. And um, I think for somebody like myself, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a teenager, I do have a, a child, I have to ensure that I'm also fit and well, he brings home a lot of, of bugs from nursery, or I think do you guys call it daycare. You know, I'm not superhuman. So when I, I talk about supplements, I talk about vitamins, I talk about branch chain amino acids, I'm talking about natural proteins from sustainable sources. Those are about naturally aiding the body and the body's nervous system. Uh, so, so it's slightly different, I think, than, than talking about big, scary anabolics, which would be banned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Um, but and I, even then, you know, I, I don't judge. You know, I don't, I don't judge it. Like for me, it's just in certain sports and certain aspects. I'm like, you know, if you want to do it to maintain, get a great physique or something like that, or you know, do achieve your goals. Um, in faster fashion, um, it, it won't help you if you don't work out. Like <laughs> a lot of people don't really think about it, but like uh, just because you take steroids or any any type of PED, it's not going to help unless you actually put in work. Um, it's just going to increase the amount and how fast you increase. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I think, um, and again, this <laughs> we go down a controversial road. I think for me. Um, I was, I never chased a physique to the extent that I, I kind of needed to enhance. It didn't even occur to me really. Um, for me, it was about what my, my body could do on its own and how strong I could be on my own. And obviously, yes, of course, because of what you do, you know, when, when you engage in, in a a really tough sport, you know, let's say for, for 60 minutes or something and, and you finish, your immune system is really compromised. So, of course, yes, you want to take vitamin C um, or take an excellent post, post-workout, post you know, that's jam-packed full of vitamins and, and, and glucose in order to kind of repair. But repair is very, very different to enhance. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Your skin looks lovely, by the way. So I'm impressed at how radiant you look, considering you take no supplements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a fan of anything. I don't know. I feel like um, everyone does it differently. Everyone's body reacts. Very interesting. I mean, um, I don't tell anyone. I don't give anyone advice because it's not. It might work for you. It might not. Um, yes. I do think there's like a certain like group of rules of like we know what you need to eat. You kind of have an idea of what what you should do to fix the problem. Um, I think it's mostly the mental aspect in almost anything. Um, if you're not mentally prepared and, you know, it, it, anxiety plays a huge part in it. Um, there's a lot of factors. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I also think, though, it's it's also a little bit about cultural norms. I mm-hmm. think, um, 
you know, people who've never been taught anything differently. You know, we have a generation of, of children and young people who really haven't been taught about nutrition and actually taking somebody like that. You know, I used to run um, a, a healthy cookery class for school aged children after school in Sussex. And um, and it, it was called Cookery Champions. But, you know, and, and, and these are the children who, who may or may not have had some, some issues with, with obesity. And um, often what I found is that even the basics, you'd be amazed at how many people no longer even understand the basics because food preparation just looks so different. You know, we go into a supermarket, there's just an absolute abundance of the, the worst kind of food and it's usually as soon as you walk in at the front of the shop on offer and I don't blame people for being confused and for almost feeling as if that's what they're supposed to do and that's what they're supposed to eat or women who read you know a, a terrible magazine article and there are so many of them I, I actually think that they should be banned and these magazine articles tell them to do a 1000 calorie a day diet and then these poor women, and I mean, that's like the most common. So many of my friends have done it and they wonder why they could only keep it up for a week and then they just crash and end up stuffing their faces full of pizza because they're starving. So um, so, so there is a, a lot of, I don't think it's just about mental and emotional readiness. I think it's really about cultural norms. It's about financial implications, even access to a good kitchen with, with, with good equipment to cook in. You know, having things like a steamer, a food processor, a blender. You know, if you are if you're, have a relatively good income, you take that for granted. Of course, you'll just nip up to, to Argos or whatever shop you have over there and pick this stuff up and create yourself a nice little healthy, whole foods, gourmet kitchen. But actually, you know, if, you're, if you've got four children and you're in a workless household, that, that becomes very different. And if your closest, you know, supermarket is Iceland, I don't know if you have that over there, but it's like where they only sell frozen food, which can be okay, you know. But but I think there's a lot more. And one of the things that I really want to do that's important to me is to make health and fitness accessible for those people that find it completely inaccessible. I don't think that young women and men who are working and have a good idea of what to be, what what to do, need any more lessons on what to do. You know, I'm I'm concerned about. Um, single mothers, low-income households, and people who feel at the margins of society and already have health complications, those people knowing what to do. Because actually they represent my demographic. You know, I don't live in a really posh area. I live in quite a low-income area. You know, I come from a single-parent household, and I think I represent the uh, proportion of, of society who are at most vulnerable of, of poor health and obesity and, and 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 not engaging in any kind of physical activity i mean that's how i see myself mm -hmm. and i think it's i don't know it's i feel like it's a lot of the influencers that don't not influencers but people that don't put bad information i think bad advice can really be the worst thing you can put out there yes um, or incorrect information yes. um and of course i mean as a kid, um, especially here in America, <laughs> obesity is, I think, I think we have the worst out of any country. Um, of course, we're their first world country, so it's not, it's, yes. uh, but, um, you know, I, th I live in the third most obese city in the world that, wow. that is, in the entire world. And it would be, uh, you know, maybe it's number one now. I'm not sure. That is a good question, but, um, I know that this is an issue and it's not just, uh, 
you know, it's here, the UK. I mean, like there's a lot of places that have issues, um, not as bad as us, but it's, it's, you know, it's everywhere. Um, I, yeah. I think what you're doing, um, has international implications to it. I mean, you're yes. not just helping, um, just one country helping multiple countries. I mean, America's in need of nutrition advice. I mean, <laughs> nobody understands it. Um, and uh, of course, the, the big issue is financial reasons, um, yes. mental health issues. It, 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 all these factor in. Um, yes. How much they factor in, I have no idea. Um, nobody's ever done a real good study of, okay, how, if is financial the biggest burden is is mental health biggest burden? Uh, I'm not sure w- which one is the exact one, but I do think financial does play a huge role. Um, yes. Um, and uh, but I also think mentally, you know, if you're not if if you're used to eating in a certain way and um, breaking habits is hard. I mean, I've yes. I've been in the struggle where, you know, it's like oh, I just eat this every day, you know broccoli and chicken all day um no no understanding of what i was eating no understanding and as a kid you know you're not taught these things you're not i was taught i mean the food pyramid here was you know drink all your milk you can drink you know yes um i was (laughs) i was i was i I, I mean i still love milk um but you know i did not know that that was a thing and you know the worst thing about it is i love chocolate milk um you know that I was addicted wow. to that forever. I mean, I, I I couldn't break that habit. I drank chocolate milk every day, twice a day, three times a day, maybe. Um, oh, wow! <laughs> and you you would think like, wow, um, you know, I've I've binged on chocolate milk, so it's like to me, it's like, well, the the this is not you know health. Like I knew it was it wasn't good for me to drink that much. Um, of course I believe you should, if you, if you don't have any issues with, with milk, of course, if you're not lactose, even though you're lactose, you can probably get a a certain type of skim milk or uh, almond milk. I always recommend, um, there's just so many options now. Um, and they're getting cheaper and cheaper, which I think is great. But, um, of course expenses, rise really quick when you go to the grocery store and not really kind of plan out what you're getting yeah i i agree with it all of that actually um and i think again you know dairy shouldn't be shouldn't be off the list automatically but you have to think about the amount of hormones that cattle are are given now growth hormones and whatnot and antibiotics and that's all being passed through and being passed through in the food chain so when you're talking to somebody and then saying okay well why don't you switch to organic milk or as you say almond milk or i mean we we don't drink milk here we we have um i'm not i don't cut out all dairy but we certainly don't drink milk we have oat milk but actually yeah it's comparatively much more expensive at the moment um so I agree with you. I think that that money is one, and and habits. That you've made an absolutely good point. I mean, it, it's having to turn your back on all the conventional ways of eating. So when I take my son on a day out, and I'm meeting other mums, and perhaps we go to a you know to a theme park or soft play, they have their own calves, and they want you to purchase from their calves. And I refuse to. My son has a packed lunch, and it's full of whole food that I've made him so I know exactly what's in it. It's not full of highly processed wheat, not full of sweets, you know, high sugars, processed sugars. It's full of natural, now and again, of course, I don't mind him having something very, very now and again. But what that means is it kind of can feel socially alienating because all the other children, (laughs) 
you know, you're with a group of people and all the other children get to go to the calf or the McDonald's and, and they're eating their food. And, and my poor son is sitting there with his, you know, homemade hummus or whatever. And <laughs> but, but that's that's how it is. And, and A, I refuse to because actually I find that very expensive and I don't think that that's a good way to spend our money. But also I, I don't really trust the way that other food has been prepared and I see the food and it, it's just so good. So he's had to learn from a very, very young age. He's three and uh, it's very rare that he is treated to McDonald's, to be honest, or anything even close to that. But you have to be really strong. And I think the only reason that, that my kind of set of, of, of friends have tolerated me being that way is because they know that it's a lifestyle choice. And I think, you know, it's because I have an Instagram and I go to the gym and I'm like this whole person that encompasses this whole health message. And obviously then I bring extra things for their children as well to add on so you can do it that way I think that if I was just a regular not that I'm not a regular person but you know if I wasn't kind of living this healthy lifestyle I, I can imagine getting a lot more frowns and perhaps it being tolerated there so I do think you have to be very resilient if you want to go down that path and you have to really ignore advertising messages you have to ignore food agencies and what they try and push at you and you have to be damn organized you know, that's the other thing. I have to really prep food. I have to think about, okay, so it's Wednesday and on Saturday we're going to do this. I need to get X, Y and Z ready because otherwise we'll be buying something out of the shops. You know, I do allow my son to, <laughs> his tree is like a bag of um, sliced apples and grapes that you can pick up in a supermarket. And, and I pretend that that's his special treat and he gets really excited. And I think, bless, he doesn't realise that other children probably get really fun treats of actual sweets. <laughs> but I just mm -hmm. pretend. I say, wow, look at this. Exciting bag of apples. <laughs> mm -hmm. How do you, like, I mean, if you wanted to give him, like, a piece of chocolate, like, like you know, I always wonder how, because, you know, I grew up with a bad, healthy, uh, bad, bad eating, because, you know, um, it, it is, it falls on the parents, mostly, because it's like, yeah. Um, if they don't know what they're doing, then I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a child. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we just eat whatever was around, you know, if it's tamales, um, if it's, you know, whatever, uh, whatever it may be, we just eat whatever is there. Um, uh, that I think is very strange in that way. Um, and yeah. And actually, you know, and I don't want to sound really extreme and suddenly alienate anybody who's listening, but there comes a point when you have to start questioning you know, when, you, when you're dealing with very obese children, well, they're not buying their own food and they're not preparing their own food. So actually, you know, somebody has responsibility for, and has to take responsibility for a child getting into that, that, that kind of position. And, you know, and, it, and it's likewise, sometimes I've seen these, these kind of reality TV shows with very, very large people who can't even leave the house because of what they're eating. And I think, well, if they can't leave the house, that means that they're not buying their own food. So somebody's buying that for them. And there's, they tend to always be an enabler, whether it's passive or, or, or um, active. There always seems to be in any one family a kind of enabler of <laughs> poor diet. I mean, I... You know, of course, I, I allow my son some sweets. And I think if you completely um, try to hide that side of life, like he could become a weird obsessive about sugar. And I don't want to say that sugar is the enemy. I don't think that it, it should work like that. I think he needs to understand that if he's at a party, it's fine to have some cake with his friends because it's somebody's birthday. And that's a really yummy, lovely thing to do. Um, but that not become a craving. So he is allowed. I have like a tiny tub of uh, sweets 
and uh, I think they're, I don't know what they're called in America, they're Haribos over here. I think they're called Golden Bears there or <laughs> Golden Gums, something like yes, that. Yes, but, but your portion sizes are very, very small. Well, he's allowed two of those if he's um, had a good day. So they have like a behavioural system at nursery where the children are either on red for, I guess, bad amber, which is an okay day, or green. And if he's had a green day, um, then he's allowed two of those bears. Or it could be like a chocolate coin. You know, you get that pretend money that's mm-hmm. wrapped in <laughs> tiny foil. Something he's, he's allowed to choose. So a good day, a day of excellent exemplary behavior which is actually pretty much every day he does have those those two sweets so you know i'm not like a food fascist or anything um but he also you know that's that's after he's eaten a dessert of of fruit for example so it might be raspberries and bananas with some organic honey is his dessert you know after dinner and then once all that's finished and he's finished his his savory food then he has the two sweets so it's about balance i think Mm-hmm. Um, will, will you, I mean, I'm always curious about this because, you know, um, when someone's an athlete and do you want your child to be an athlete or is it like if he goes towards something like that, would you uh, be for it or against it? I'm just curious. I, I hope that he has a really good relationship with physical activity and some kind of sport that he loves. I hope that he doesn't become a bodybuilder if I'm being completely honest I don't I don't wish a life of competitive bodybuilding for my son um because I think it's really tough I think it's it's quite a lonely sport um I don't compete but I uh, mix a lot with people that do and um it's not and it's not about being you know I I love watching shows I, I love following these great athletes and I grew up with my my dad really loving that sport but um I think it's a very yeah it's a very lonely sport like I'd love him to to, to do something that was like a team sport mm. I mean, to be honest I don't want him to I'd love him you know as a profession I kind of hope that he becomes a filmmaker you know I study film and I'd love him to become a filmmaker and travel the world maybe filming endangered species of animals or something like completely different you know mm. um somebody who maybe does a bit of parkour or calisthenics on the side but we've all got our ideas who knows um you know at the moment he's three and it's difficult to have any ambitions for him because he's still at a stage where he's just like, you know, he licks my elbow sometimes for fun and he thinks that's hilarious. So we're still at a very, <laughs> a very non-intellectual stage of life. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just about writing his name, which is amazing. But, you know, it's hard to, to imagine what he's going to grow up to become. He doesn't seem great at football or anything like that, but he's brilliant with his bike and his scooter. So he might do something like that. He might be one of these cool cats who rides a motorbike and can do brilliant stunts and you know who knows it'll be interesting to see what he grows up to do but yeah I I, I'd like to think that he doesn't like just turn to bodybuilding in the gym just because that's what I did but he he watches a lot of my videos you know not just the videos and and pictures on Instagram but I, I record ever such a lot that doesn't get seen because I'm monitoring form or I'm trying new PRs um I did some good deadlifting and he watched it he thinks I'm really cool think it's good for him to see that women can be strong i've shown him some clips from wonder women wonder woman sorry and he he was like oh, that's so cool and you know girls can be superheroes too and i want him to grow up to be a man who is strong and really comfortable uh, around strong women you know strong women both physically and mentally and i hope that he is a feminist and believes in equality 
in all in all areas of life. Mm-hmm. That 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 is interesting that you don't want him to go in bodybuilding. I feel like I feel like you know everyone has like this just different aspect of what they want their children to do, um, um, and where they get where you think they're going to go. Because um, I I mean most of the time I think no nobody can predict it. I mean like it's it's the most amazing thing. He might be an artist. He might be a painter. He might be a filmmaker. He might he might he might want want to be a meth math teacher or something um, yes or he he may be you know not bright or talented and he may just decide that he wants to work in a supermarket every day for the rest of his life and i'd be equally as proud as long as he was happy and he felt fulfilled and you know i don't expect him to uh rise to this kind of society's expectations of brilliance but yeah when it comes to bodybuilding i mean god if it, if it made him happy and and, it, and if that's you know that would was- you coach him i'm curious would you kind of guide him because <laughs> yeah i mean because I mean, you know every you know if if he doesn't he has you because a lot of people don't have coaches i mean if i look at all the great athletes out there most of them had their father coach them or yeah. their 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 mother coach them it's like this this community thing where yeah. it, um they don't make as many mistakes i mean that is a yeah. a, a, a great thing um and they, then don't- they don't make time i mean i wish somebody had told me to just stick to compounds for the first year why did nobody ever just say look all you need to do for the first year is bench squat and deadlift and then the rest will just happen and then you can worry about hypertrophy and accessories in years time just 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 enjoy that and uh, i wish you know especially being an ectomorph that i had understood that you know i mean they're doing loads of flies and you know, doing all these little bits of accessory work and wondered why I, I never gained size. It's because I wasn't eating enough and I wasn't lifting in the right way. So, of course, it would be fantastic to pass some knowledge just so that he doesn't waste time. And it would be a really fun thing to do. I mean, his nutrition will always be there. I think he eats the way I eat. So his nutrition will always be geared up for him to go into that sport if he wants to. And that's also lessons that he'll carry, you know, for life, so even just for good health and for for, for good mental clarity but i mean yeah it'd be pretty cool to to coach him if he can if he can stand it <laughs> mm-hmm. would you would you would you be like are you gonna push him towards any sports i mean a lot of uh you know just kind of not push him but like you know put him in something you know he doesn't know what football <laughs> is but he you know do this or that or you know are you gonna push him yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think that, that any form of gymnastics or calisthenics, uh, I don't mean competitive gymnastics, but yeah, I think a, a bit of calisthenics, free running, he definitely likes his scooter, his bike, he's already trying to do stunts. So I think sports that are about movement, that have a sense of abandon, are um, amazing. Sports that are about controlling your own body weight, because those are things that are sustainable, pretty impressive, and they're transferable. So they are transferable over to bodybuilding, but likewise, they are just something that he can do wherever he goes. So if he is somebody who decides to travel and see the world, those are things that he, you know, he doesn't need to find a gym um, to do that. But you know, what's amazing about fitness and the industry that we're in and the sport that we're in is it's ever evolving. And I think that the sport doesn't look now like it did 20 or 30 years ago. And when my son is, is, you know, of age in maybe 13, 15 years, whatever, and he's, he starts, it will be interesting to see what, what his generation, how they adapt this sport and make it something else. And, uh, because I don't think it's just a case of following, um, what the generation before us did. I think that things move. I mean, calisthenics and the way that that's taken off 
and it's a hybrid of all these amazing things. It's it's pretty cool seeing these these young people um, mould it and adapt it and change it, and they push boundaries. Um, and obviously, we're exposed to to a lot more because of social media. So again, it's breaking down barriers, and I think it makes people more ambitious because there are things that people see that perhaps this ultra talented person can do across the world that would have they would have never had exposure to. So I think it can move people along physically, you know, in terms of their ambitions for themselves. It's the same with all things with dance. I mean, I'd love my son to be a dancer. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I did try and take him to a, a ballet class. He just wasn't into it. He found it. He said it was too girly. He's only three and he already knows that kind of thing. But who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I feel like, you know, children are like this, this, ball of potential that you don't know where they're going and i think that like you know um we don't know how technology is going to change uh in 10 years when when they're adult i mean you go back 10 years i mean a lot of things were different the internet did not really exist you know that yes you know a lot of things change quick um i think nutrition is going to change a lot more than you think um people always ask me like oh so what do you think is going to happen in like five to ten years it's gonna be whole. It's gonna to be totally different. It's not macros are not gonna be the thing anymore. It's gonna be something yes. else. Um, yes. And and there's gonna be, you're gonna be seeing better and better results. It's not. It's in its infancy. Um, I absolutely agree with you. And I'm I'm already wowed by some very different approaches to nutrition I've seen. So there's um, a guy called Dominic Rapson, and he uh, runs an Instagram page called Origins of Vitality. I think, and he has like. He's a nutritionist, he's a really um, experienced and clever man, and he's a calisthenics athlete, and he's ripped, and he's huge. And he does, like, you know, no macro or calorie counting whatsoever. He really has harnessed intuitive eating for his clients. Um, And to be honest, some of the stuff just just blows it out of the water, I mean. um, And he's he's not vegan at all. He doesn't like things like that. And the way he trains, the way he eats, lots of intermittent fasting. He'll eat, like, I don't know, very rarely. I don't want to talk about him and and missell what his philosophy is. So I, I won't talk too much. But, yeah, there are some really cool and different things that are starting to emerge. Um... Yeah, it's quite. It feels quite radical and revolutionary, and I agree with you. And I think one day macros will just not be a thing anymore. And you know, I'll, I'll look really old-fashioned, but that's okay. I, I, <laughs> I can accept either moving along with it and embracing new things, or just becoming old-fashioned one day. One day. See, I, yeah, I don't want that to happen. To I don't know. I don't feel like you know. I think of my parents, you know, and their music and, you know, they, they get stuck in their old ways. Um, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the one st- stuck in the mud. You know, I want to be kind of keep up with whatever is going on. Um, yeah. Of course, everything goes on really fast, so I'm not going to be able to keep up with everything. But I feel like I want to keep up with nutrition, at least somewhat. I mean, I don't want to be stuck in the past. I think um, we're lucky. I think our generation, we're like either the millennials. And I think that we were born at a time that we had to get used to rapid growth. So even just adapting to new technology and like the internet looks like this, now it looks like that, and now we have it on our phones, and then we have social media looking like this, and now it's changed to that. You know, we're of a generation who understand that we need to quickly adapt to everything, and I think that that can be applied across the board. So, so yeah, I have no doubt, like, you don't need to worry. I think that you're, you're definitely... Um, be adapting and changing what sport do you do 
um, mixed martial arts. Wow, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long have you been doing that? Um, my whole life, pretty much. I started when I was a kid. That's why I asked about him. <laughs> Amazing. Well, maybe that's something I need. Jujitsu. Okay, okay. This is just a recommendation. He might love it. Yeah. I think. I think a lot of people. Uh, uh, this is a uh, jujitsu. Is just grappling or wrestling, something like that. I think is to uh, say it's a safe sport. Of course, I mean it's not as dangerous as. Uh, I think soccer is more dangerous, or what you call football. I forget. Mm. American football is much the most dangerous sport to me. Uh, yes, yes, I can uh, see that. It's a lot of head trauma, but with you know, mixed mixed martial arts is a uh, certain aspects are really good for learning as a child. Then you learn other things when you grow up. I, I'm glad yeah. that I learned that. So we live very close to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu place actually and he often likes to stand and watch the guys doing their thing and he thinks it and I have to explain it's just play fighting you know don't worry they're not they're not hurting each other but he is just in awe of these men to me I mean I, I, I it doesn't tickle my fancy at all but he's absolutely enthralled when he watches the uh the jiu-jitsu guys so yeah maybe mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu is a fun sport especially because I used to coach a, a, a class and um, it was always is that they learn so fast. I mean, like they're like sponges. I've never seen anything like that. You know, some of them. I mean, I, I look at them like, oh my god, that you know, in ten years, this this kid's gonna be able to like, you know. For me, it's like you know, they're they're chasing um, higher levels than ever uh, anticipated because jujitsu has evolved and just like anything else, it just changes and changes. I started off with taekwondo, and that that was that was. Uh, I mean, it's a as a kid, it's not a rough sport, but as you, you grow up into your teen years, it's a very dangerous sport. Yes. Um, um, you know, of course, it's only dangerous if you don't prepare and you're not ready for your opponent. I think Taekwondo, that's pretty hardcore because I, I, I'm sure that one of the characters I used to play, uh, I used to be a bit of a gamer girl and I used to play Tekken a lot when I was like a teenager. And who, who did Taekwondo? That was like the hardcore one. Mm-hmm. Of all the martial arts, like that, that always seemed really really extreme you know so uh yeah but no that's a good tip i think mm-hmm. uh, and i feel like a- the philosophy as well i mean yeah, my favorite of course my name's uh, my middle name is brandon my, my first name is brandon my middle name's lee i'm named after bruce lee's son oh, wow. yeah yeah um yeah. so and i was yeah yeah so that's that's kind of my, how i got started i mean uh um, my parents put me in martial arts very young age. It's not expensive. I mean, that's a, a great thing. It's not the most expensive thing in the world. Um, I mean, it was what uh, it would be fifty pounds or sixty pounds equivalent to over there, and uh, it was always. I mean, I loved. It. I went every day, five, six days a week. Um, you know, trained yeah. for tournaments. I mean, that the salt, the anxiety that you get over. I mean, like you're gonna see him have anxiety if he starts. I mean, it's just gonna be a process. He's gonna be like, I'm scared, or he's gonna be like, um, yeah. I don't want to do this, you know, um, yes. and and see how he can kind of uh, face adversity. I mean, I'm so glad because you know, I don't. A lot of people say, okay, anxiety is necessary. Um, it's it faded for me. It really did. The more yeah. you do it, the the, honestly it just becomes easier and easier um i don't wow. i don't feel pressure i feel calmness um, wow. most people don't have that um and everyone reacts differently um, um and i'm very analytical and cerebral when i look at how someone uh, approaches uh fighting um so 
I look at it in many different ways. And I mean, I love Bruce Lee because he has a great philosophy. Um, he's a, he was not just a great, you know, um, actor and all these other things, a martial artist. He was really the core of what he was talking was philosophy. Um, okay. And um, of course, my favorite quote, I always say this, but be like water. Um, that was like, you know, oh, yeah, be like water. What do you mean by that? Well, adapt to your situation, adapt to, yes. you know. Issues yeah. come at you, problems come at you, but if you can adapt in any situation, you, you will succeed most of the time. Um, and also, it's a great way to face failure. I mean, um, yeah. I've lost a few times, but in other martial arts, but you know, it's like it's it, 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 it's a real like test for you and uh, yeah. live and learn. And I guess it's very humbling to fail. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, well, you've sold it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And jiu is fun. I mean, like, I think that's going to be a. I don't want to say it's going to be. A, I think there's going to be a big amount of. Right now, it's not really a mainstream um, no. in terms of like. But it's starting to become mainstream. I see it happening. Um, and I think it's a, it's going to be a, a viable way of living, you know, uh, yes. competing in jiu tournaments eventually. I mean, the top guys make. I mean, of course, I think it's going to be financially secure at some point, um, just like the UFC or any other organization. So it's like looking at that. And, you know, um, you know, I never competed in like a a real I mean, I've done jujitsu tournaments, but never like something like where you could make a living. Um, That was always not a case. But now it's like, wow, you can make a, a decent living from just doing what you love, living like a samurai, like a real samurai. Um, you know, I always talk about like, if, if, if I was, if, if like I lived back then, I would want to be a samurai. Um, it's a, such a humbling way. I mean, you fight, of course you fight and it's violent and all that, but you also read poetry. You, you study philosophy, you do all, you're like a all in one package. Fantastic. Can you imagine me passing this on to my son? So he'll be at nursery or school and all the children talk about what they want to be when they grow up. Mm-hmm. And they say they want to be a firefighter or a vet or a doctor, and then my son says, "Oh, I want to be a samurai." <laughs> uh huh. That that's what that's. I mean, like, I never thought that was something I wanted to be. I was like, oh, I was really thinking about like, what is my dream job? It's a samurai. It's not. <laughs> of course, it does not exist anymore. But that would would be what I want. I want to live a lifestyle like that. Um, I love that. But no, um, I, I think you're absolutely right. And um. And you're right, you know, Bruce Lee was, was a thinker. He was a great thinker as well as everything else. Um, and to have that, I mean, he really epitomizes, there's some other athletes that epitomize it as well, but he epitomizes that connection between, you know, physical attainment and then that mental clarity and the mental health and emotional health that accompanies the sport that you do. So, yeah, yeah, I can see why it's grabbed you. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed. <laughs> Yeah, but and then, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that love martial arts. I mean, some people like, I always talk about aspects. Um, yeah. Some people like, like standing up and striking. And I'm not, I'm not a fan of striking. I mean, I love striking, but it's not, you know, it's a lot, of, it's a lot of like learning, like you make more mistakes and it's not, it's not fun. So I always tell people to start with the ground and then um, learn, learn to mix it up. I mean, uh I- Find, um, I mean, I've done, I, I, so I used to do judo when I was a very little girl, uh, and I still remember throwing people over my back. That's the main thing. I was so young, I barely remember. I just have some memories. I think I did it between the ages of three and five. And, uh, and then I think my mum, bless her, she didn't want me to do it anymore because, you know, I was a girl and she was worried 
because that was back then when people had those sorts of worries about you know gender inequality issues but um and then I I'd recently tried to do some kickboxing and for me it was just I you know I, I accidentally kicked a girl in the ribs and I felt awful I was mortified and you know and, and I, I, I do you know what I and this was recently and I kept saying look I'm so sorry, please just hit me back. And then she said, oh, no, I don't want to hit you. And I said, but I've hit you, but it was an accident. So please, I'd feel a lot better if you could just kick me or something. And we had this whole weird dialogue, you know, <laughs> me urging her to hit me. And For me, I, it was just something I couldn't get my head around, um, being engaged in something that felt, I guess, kind of aggressive or that the aim of the sport is to either take somebody down or to, even in the act of defending yourself, was to hurt another person and, I love the idea of it and it feels really kick-ass for mm -hmm. a woman to be able to defend herself, especially because I'm already strong with the weights and it felt very transferable. But the reality is what that, that does to you emotionally and mentally, you, that, that takes, that requires something else, you know, a very different kind of discipline and dedication, I think. Mm -hmm. I think you have to reach, deep, reach very deep in yourself to get that and to be okay with that. So it was something that, I struggled with, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I certainly wouldn't wouldn't stop my son from going down that road if that's what he wanted to do. I'd I think I'd still prefer it to bodybuilding, you know, definitely by a long mm -hmm. shot. Mm -hmm. I feel I don't know. I you know I don't spar at all um, because I feel like sparring is something you should learn. Just just do it li very little. Um, I feel like, you know, I don't like hurting people. I honestly don't. Uh, it's not fun. It's, uh, you know, I don't want to hurt you, but uh, it's, it's, it, and I do get that same bad feeling. Don't, 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 don't mistake that. Like, I'm like, oh, well, I'm ruthless or something. I'm very, I'm very like um, emotional to like people, but I feel like sportsmanship in that way is, it, there's no better sportsmanship. I mean, you're in, you're, it's one, you know, it's one person versus one person. I think team aspect works, but when, I think to truly improve as an individual, you need to be in an individual sport and team sports as well. Um, it really helps with your mentality. I mean, and it, yeah. it lets you know that, you know, cause you can have a great team and you could be the worst player, um, but you can't play an individual sport and be the best without yes. like, you know, and you learn where you stand really quick. I think that's important uh, cause a lot of and us think, well, have high expectations. Know. And I guess that combat, whether we like it or not, has been a fact of life for as long as as humans have existed. So we can't kind of deny um, that that skill may be necessary one day. It'd be amazing to live in a world that was never ever needed again. Um, but that right now is is unrealistic. So yeah, it's kind of useful. It's it's a pretty handy skill to have. Mm -hmm as well as a fun sport so yeah i'm definitely sold I, I take the other approach which is like you know how you say that we don't need it at all i think we all need it and we never use it yes yes there's a there's a lot of ways to kind of cut that i mean i think of i you know it's people look at it as violent i think it's very uh not violent i mean it's 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 you um expressing yourself i mean you are hurting a person but i do think one day the only problem I have with it is brain trauma. Um, that is the only aspect that I dislike. Um, but, you know, I know one day people are going to be able to fix limbs, fix things. Um, much better stem cells are, like, coming in. Um, it, I mean, it, you don't 
it's less dangerous sport than uh, American football. I think that people don't understand that, um, and they're like, "Wow, it looks so violent! You're punching each other." Yeah. Um, it's not. It's not as violent as people think. But I always find it refreshing, and I think everyone should learn some aspect of fighting. I'm not saying boxing or uh, kickboxing, but jujitsu might be your way, or yeah. or you know, just kung fu or something. Learning something that that is fun. I don't know. Uh, jujitsu looks a bit wrestling. It looks like grappling. Is that your dog? <laughs> yes, yes, they're very loud. <laughs> they're adorable, but uh, it's it's always it's always a lot of things that play a factor into like how you kind of go about it. I mean. Um, and there's many martial arts. Don't don't get confused. There's tons of martial arts. Judo's pretty good too. Um, I see what this is. You're slowly gonna indoctrinate me. I'm not. I'm not indoctrinating. <laughs> I'm suggesting. You know, maybe like really a joking. month, maybe like a week. You know. Um, yeah, you know. But no, I, I definitely. Um, I think that what's what's nice is you know the training I do is is transferable, and that's always what it's meant to be about. I mean, actually, I think. I'm at a stage where I, you know, I'd, I'd love to, to get dancing back. That was a big part of my life. And um, at the moment, that's something I miss. So as soon as I have a little bit more time and I have an extra evening or something, um, that's the first thing. But but even that is, is transferable. And, you know, if, I used to do some um, contemporary, which has its roots in ballet and things. And when you look at the way you train and the way you stretch, which is something that I've always carried even now, uh, it's, it's really similar to the way that I see that they train um, for some martial arts, you know, from the little bit that I've done and some of the stretches and uh, that, that mind-to-muscle connection and, and what you need to do with your body and using the force of your body to achieve something, um, you know, you know and, and the coordination and, and, and the reflexes. They're kind of similar, I think, dance and, and types of martial arts. Some of them are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Dancing, yeah. dancing helps a lot. I love dance. dance. I love dance. I feel like everything transfers to martial arts. That is the weirdest yeah. thing because not not all martial arts transfer to other things, but yeah. anything else you do transfers to martial arts. I don't. If it's yeah. gymnastics, yeah. it helps. Yeah. If yeah. it if it's cardio running, it helps. If yeah. it's strength training, it helps. I yeah. mean, think of it like this is kind of this is the reason why you do those other things. Um, yes. Yeah. It's strange. I don't know. Mm. Because we're all we're all just animals at the end of the day, and I agree with you. It's um, you know, I, I love any kind of nutrition or sports that's about mimicking what we'd be doing in everyday life, which sometimes strength training is, sometimes it's definitely not. I don't know about rear doubts, but <laughs> certainly, you know, um like deadlifting really mimics some um or, or farmers walks mimics the kinds of everyday activities that we would be doing, and I guess what you're saying rings true is that at the end of the day we we all have that need to defend ourselves and that you know we're animals and that's a big part of it is survival isn't it so yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i love watching women fight it's like the most intense thing i've ever seen the uh, photographer that i work with new pics and i tag him ever such a lot on my uh in my pictures he likes to watch uh is it women's you, you i gotta i want to get this right because if this is live ufcc ufc Yes. Something like, is that what it's called? Women's UFC, yes. Women's UFC, and he is Polish, and there is a Polish female fighter, and I can't remember her name, but she's jo- like... Joanian Jacek. That's it. He talks about her all the time, and he even stays up really odd, odd times to watch this women's fighting. 
And I've tried watching a few of the matches and I just find it really traumatic. I'm like, oh my God, they're hurting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no. And that, that girl, that, that Polish girl, she's, she looks like she wouldn't be capable of hurting a fly <laughs> mm-hmm. when she's out of the ring. So I'm always impressed at the, the fury and the uh, muscle power that she possesses in that, you know, in the match because ordinarily she's a tiny little thing and and you know has the most innocent of expressions and then she just she brings hell so it's just pretty impressive yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it is impressive absolutely yeah and you know the interesting about her is she just recently lost um and it's like how are you going to take that loss i mean she 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 was undefeated i mean she, she, she was uh she was a tyrant pretty much i mean like um i mean like she's the most really nice person but like a tyrant you know yes. in the way she fought uh, yeah i always found her fighting particularly i'll be honest I've, I've seen quite a lot of these matches and out of everybody i found her style of fighting the most vicious which mm-hmm. is i guess why she captured my imagination because she was seemed the least vicious outside of the match and, and the sweetest thing and then she just turned into somebody else but i did hear that yeah she did lose a match yeah. so i wonder i wonder how that will affect a person's psyche i mean you tell me you've lost how does that how does that affect the psyche um there's a lot of ways it does you want to jump right back in um okay. we recently seen that with uh if you don't know who george st pierre is uh he came back from you know, the, the amazing thing is that you can imagine going, leaving a sport and coming back four years later at the top of the, the heap in a different weight class, which I thought was yeah. insane. Um, yes. He competed. He won, uh, which was kind of mind blowing because you took four years off. You haven't I mean, you've trained, but you have not been in active situation. So that really got rid of this mentality of ring rust. Uh, losing is a huge part of anything um mistakes will be made i mean you can always i mean you're 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 fighting another human so you're trying to capitalize on mistakes and uh, aspects that they failing or don't are not as strong as you and it's hard because they're you can get caught i think joanna young jacek just got caught she did not know what she was doing she panicked um, it's a mental game. It's a hundred percent a mental game. It's there's not really. I mean, the physical preparation is everything you do before. Um, yes. But most of it's mental. I mean, if someone comes at you like a lion uh, about to take you out, or if someone comes in there very calm, um, very collected, you react differently to all these yes. methods. Um, yes. And when you see someone do something that you have never seen before, um, it scares you. It's like whoa. Like you panic. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, sometimes composure is the most important thing to me. I think a lot of people don't have the composure aspect. If you can be composed in any situation um, and just be like, very, not always analytical because you got to be emotional. You're an emotional human being. You got to have passion or something. But if you're very composed in what you're doing, you will capitalize. That's the reason why she lost. She wasn't composed. And I know she, you know, you she she's going to lie to herself just like I lied to myself. Like um, I lost that because of this and that, or, you know, I, I just got caught. You did not just get caught. Someone else beat you at your own game. And it's very hard to see that and say, Oh yeah, that happened. Um, I wonder how she's going to take a lot of uh, people don't take losses very well. Um, no, no, especially somebody who's been undefeated. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you're going to, and when you lose like that, like, 
um, you know, there's a lot of ways you can lose, and that is probably the worst way you can lose. Um, yes. And it's going to be traumatic, and she just wants to get right back at it. And if 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 for a second time it does not work, um, you're going to rethink your whole life. It's not. I haven't had that happen, but I know I know what the feeling's going to be. It's going to be a real rethink of like I'm going to take a few years off, maybe even you know. A lot of most fighters, this is the problem is you're going to go down embarrassed and ashamed because um, it's about dreams being broken and dreams being achieved. And of course, the failure of the public, you know, that's the other thing as well. And I guess that's something I I don't have to face in a gym is that if I don't smash my PR one week or it just goes wrong or I get stuck under the bar or it, I just can't lift and I have a weak day, you know, nobody sees that, you know, and it, and it, and I'm not scrutinized in quite the same way. So I guess, you know, what she's done and, and what all those, those fighters do, men and women, they're so brave, not, not even about the combat itself um, and taking the hit, but about putting yourself in, in a ring or on a stadium or, or on a stage that's just surrounded by people is, is live. Um, I can't imagine what that really takes mentally and emotionally. I'm very impressed. I mean, really very impressed. And I think that, you know, there are lots of different types of, of sportsmen and, and athletes, but, you know, there's there's sport and then there's sport. And I think that that looks very, very different. I have a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. And anyone can fight. So, this, is a pro- this is the greatest thing about fighting. Anyone can do it. Yes. You think yes. about basketball. You think about football. There, you have to be six four at least. <laughs> like there's there's requirements. Um, yeah. yeah. With uh, sports, you fight in your weight class. You fight it. Most people that are your height or your weight, and um, of course, there's a lot of aspects of that that I dislike. I mean, everything can be fixed. I think decision making yeah. in sports, especially combat sports, is terrible. Um, right. Like okay, you that person won, but that that person lost. So you are this is rigged. This you know what's wrong, um, stuff like that. I also dislike the weight cutting, the amount of weight cutting we do. Um, yes. I also yeah. you know there's bad aspects, but I think there's like a huge positive to everything, um, and I think I think people should learn. I'm not saying compete. I'm saying learn. Right. Yes. Just just, yes. just as bodybuilding, you know practice bodybuilding but don't compete if you don't want to compete if you do want to compete try it um yes. i always say that you know you might not like fighting at first but maybe you'll like it after a few more sessions or a different martial art um everyone has different point of view it's absolutely fantastic i um I, I might really seriously consider what you're saying and if i do i'll be sure to post about it and keep it going on my stories and let you know how i get on but you know if it goes terribly wrong I will hold you personally. <laughs> look, 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 okay, okay, okay. Before you do that, I want to <laughs> be very clear about something. If something goes wrong, you try it again. And if it goes wrong again, try it one more time. And if it goes really wrong, try it one more time. I always think that martial arts is very difficult in that way because there's this really big hump that is like the first few weeks. It is a struggle. It is the most terrible thing I've ever done. But after those, you get used to the, the thing. And I think it's good to be under pressure. But, you know, once you get used to the pressure, it's, you know, you'll start seeing it. But you'll, if you don't love jujitsu, you'll love some type of striking. And if, if I always suggest, you know, a lot of teachers want, want you to fight people. Like, don't start, you know, hit the pads, hit the, you know, yes. le- learn, drill, drill. Just do yes. drills. Don't, 
you know, um, people you take know, advantage to you because people take advantage of you because they want to test their skills. Um, if someone comes up to you and they say, oh, you've been there for a few weeks boxing on the bag. Um, uh, and someone comes up to you and says, oh, you want to spar? Say no. This is a clear cut answer. Say no, because what they want to do is test themselves. And you're not one. You're not the one wanting to test yourself. Okay, if it has to be a mutual agreement, someone can't just come up to you and say, "I want to fight you." Um, it has to be a mutual agreement. Um, and also, don't don't you don't need to kill each other. That that's not a healthy way of doing it. I think it, it doesn't bring the best out of both of y'all. No. But everyone has different things. Everyone. Some people think like you should fight like the hardest you can, and you know, blood, sweat, and tears. But. Um, I think that's been proven to be bad. Well, Marissa, it's been wonderful talking. I could probably talk to you forever, but um, it was really nice getting to know you. And yeah, you too. Thank you so much for the pleasure of uh, of speaking to you. And uh, perhaps one day in the future, I can come along and talk about something else. (laughs) Yes, yes. it's been amazing. So thank you. All right, have a beautiful day.